decision at that time in his life that he was going to purpose, that he would live his life wholeheartedly for the Lord, focused on him. And so he rose to the top quickly among the wise men of the area and the different tests that King Nebuchadnezzar put them through. But you'll remember in chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar put a test on his wise men that no one had ever done. He wanted the wise men to tell him the interpretation of his dream. However, first they had to tell him what he dreamed and then give the interpretation. Well, nobody could do it. King Nebuchadnezzar got mad and said, well, fine, we'll kill a lot of them. So the guys are going around preparing to kill all the wise men. Daniel finds out about it because, well, he happens to be one of the wise men. So he goes to King Nebuchadnezzar and asks for time. King Nebuchadnezzar grants it to him, and Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, his three Hebrew friends, gather together in a room, five or four guys, and they pray. And the Lord gave Daniel the dream and the interpretation. And so when he told King Nebuchadnezzar, we talked about it last week, when he told him the dream, he said, King, you dreamed of this statue, and the head was of gold, and the chest was of silver, and the, and the thighs were of bronze, and the legs were of iron, and the feet iron mixed with clay. And you saw this giant image, and suddenly there was this stone, not made with hands, thrust from the heavens, it struck the image at its feet, and shattered it into dust. And it blew away. And that rock that struck the statue at its feet grew until it filled the whole earth. Well, Daniel said, King Nebuchadnezzar, here's the interpretation. The God Most High has given you the knowledge of the things which will come to pass. These are four successive kingdoms, he says. And he says to King Nebuchadnezzar, You, O king, are the head of gold. But after you, another kingdom will come, not as strong, not as mighty, not, as, not, not the same uh, powerfully. And so they will be the silver. And then after them, another. And after them, another. And last week we had an opportunity to kind of go through those. <clears throat> we'll get to go through them a little bit more when we get to Daniel as he begins to interpret Uh, the dreams that he has as we get into the later chapters but the point is king nebuchadnezzar never really liked that whole i'm just the head of gold so in chapter three he said well this is what i'll do i'll build me a statue and i'll make the whole thing gold and then what we'll do is we'll bring out the worship team and they'll play some worship and when they start playing music everyone will bow down to this image and worship me King Nebuchadnezzar, full of pride. Dealing with this pride in his life. And so, what happened? Well, we don't know where Daniel is. Daniel is off somewhere on the king's business. But Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael are still there. Otherwise known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We've all heard the story if we ever came through Sunday school. So, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't bow. So the king... The wise men, or they're happy to narc on them because they were set above them. So they, the, the wise men tell the king, the king grabs Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, brings them before him, says, hey, maybe you didn't understand the, the rules. So when these guys play, you bow. And they said, no, 
we won't do it. So the king is angry and he's frustrated and he yells out to them, Listen, I'm King Nebuchadnezzar and I'm going to throw you in that fiery furnace. And if I throw you in the fiery furnace, who is it that can save you from my hands? You remember? What God? Who could save you from my hands? And they answered him in Daniel chapter 3. As they laid out for him this. If that is the case, O King Nebuchadnezzar, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and He will deliver us from your hand, O King. But if not, let it be known to you We do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Man, these are young men. Taken from their homes, making a stand. Making a stand, being sold out. So we're sitting right now in verse 17. 17 and 18 of chapter 3. Making a stand. They're going to say, hey, I don't care what you do, king. Not bowing to your image of gold. What's the image of gold represent? King Nebuchadnezzar's pride. God said my kingdom's not going to last forever. Well, I'll show him. And he made his golden image. So you have two things going on here. You have King Nebuchadnezzar's pride. And then you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's trust. They trust in God. You hear what they said. Regardless as to whether God saved them. Do you see that? You got King Nebuchadnezzar's pride, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's trust, and their trust is regardless of what happens. Whether he saves us or not, we're not going to bow. We're not going to bow down to your image. That is real and true faith. When we see the church of Smyrna in the seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. The church of Smyrna, Smyrna really comes from the root word that is speaking of crushing. And what was Smyrna? The church that's being crushed. The persecuted church. Smyrna today, folks, is still being persecuted. And Smyrna today is still going. Smyrna, actually they changed the name. They went in and tried to slaughter everybody in the city in Turkey. They went in and slaughtered all the people and change the name, but even that doesn't stop it. But that same persecution is going on. Now, what did God tell them? When God spoke to them, did He say, be faithful and, and I'm going I'm to swoop down and save you from persecution? No, He said, be faithful to death. And I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful. We, we have to, of, of all peoples, we in the United States, have to learn maybe a little more what it is to serve a God that disappoints how we think God should work. Well, the rest of the world, they've been hungry before. They've been thirsty. They've been abused. They've been abandoned. They learn to trust God no matter what, no matter whether He saves or whether He doesn't. And we see the truth, folks. We want to see the truth about where God is in those trials. Where is He? He's in the fire right next to us, right? He's right there with us. Look what happens. (coughs) So, 
King Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. And the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. So it was a boiling hot furnace. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor. And this is, this is how full of pride Nebuchadnezzar is. I command certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. He takes the best of the best of his army. He has them tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But what's going to happen to them? Yeah, it's not going to work out so good for them. And these men were bound in their coats and their trousers, their turbans, and other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed the men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What was the difference between those soldiers, mighty men of valor, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And why was it that I, I like to picture it this way. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us, so just Jackie's little speculatory mind working, but that they get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all the way up to the edge of the fire, and the fire is so hot, they just, the guys that are going to throw them in just die right there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walk in by themselves. Well, maybe, maybe not. But what's the difference? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Where was their trust? Where was their hope? In God Almighty. The mighty men of valor. Where was their trust? King Nebuchadnezzar. He took good care of them, right? Where's our trust? In whom have you believed? If our trust is in (coughs) Obama, we might be disappointed. If your trust is in any political leader, you know what they all have in common? None of them can tell the truth. It's it's like a prerequisite to go into politics, right? Can you lie? Yeah, oh, you qualify. (laughs) But you see, these guys, they have their their hope and their trust in, in the world. In, in the might of the world and in King Nebuchadnezzar. And when they get close to the fire, they're gone. But what happens to the believer whose faith and trust is in God? They can, they can go into the fire. Have you ever known people who have entered into to a fiery trial and you look at them and go, how in the world do they get up every day? How do they keep going? Why don't they just quit? Like Job's wife to Job. Why don't you just curse God and die? But because I know in whom I have believed. I believe what God said. I I think I shared with you guys before, I, I have some very close friends of ours that had a beautiful baby, one year old baby girl. And the dad came home to have lunch with his family and when he left, that little baby got outside got in front of the truck, he didn't see her, and he ran over his baby girl in the driveway. And I remember him coming into the emergency room and running up to me and, and telling me, 
you know, Jackie, tell me, tell me this is God's will. Tell me this. I didn't just kill my baby girl. Tell me this is all God's will, that God has a plan in all this. And we sat there in the hallway of the emergency room, and we cried, and we prayed, and we made a decision. We're going to trust God. They're still going. They're still married. They still have other children. They still weep for their baby girl that they don't have. But they know who they trust in. And if I got to walk through the fire, I want to walk through the fire trusting him, not trusting men. If you're trusting men, the fire's going to burn you. But if you're trusting God, it's, it's still going to be the same trial. But you have hope at the end, don't you? Don't you have hope that there's a purpose, that this is a plan? It's not just random events happening across the cosmos. And, you know, who knows what tomorrow holds. Anything could happen. Poof, things go crazy just like that, don't they? But we need to trust in God. We trust in the Lord. And like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, hey, whether God delivers me or not, I'm not going to stop believing. I'm going to keep holding on. So those two guys die as they throw them in the furnace. And then, verse 24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste, and he spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. Well, look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is what? Like the Son of God. Where's Jesus in our fiery trial? Right there. He's right there. He hasn't moved. He hasn't changed anything. He's right there. What changes when we're in the midst of the, of the fire? Just like Peter. How did Peter start to sink? Where did he put his eyes? On the waves and the storm and the wind and all that stuff. If, if we're in the furnace of affliction and we're focusing on the furnace, we're putting all that energy in the wrong place. We need to focus on Jesus. He's here with me somewhere. I, gotta, I need to see His face. I need to see His face. I need to pick up His Word and pour it into my life so that the fire doesn't burn. So that the trial doesn't overtake us. And so... He says, the fourth is like the Son of God. And Nebuchadnezzar (coughs) went near the mouth of the fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of who? The Most High God. El Elyon, God Most High. Come out and come here. And Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. Now the satrap, administrators, governors, kings, counselors gathered together for they saw these men on whose bodies a fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of the fire was not on them. That's a pretty good sized miracle to see, isn't it? These are the guys. Think how they feel right now. These are the guys who said, hey man, let's... Let's get these three guys in trouble. We'll get them kicked into the fiery furnace. They're gone, and we'll be able to, you know, come back up 
in a position of authority with, among the wise men. And the three guys you threw in the fire just came out and didn't get burnt. You think that that would speak to you about, hmm, they're telling the truth? Maybe the God they serve is truly God? But like we talked about this morning, do they really care about truth? No. Are they going to stop trying to kill these guys? No, not really. They're going to try. The reality is, Jesus told us that ahead of time, didn't he? A servant is not greater than his master, right? If the world hates me, what's it going to do to you? It's going to hate you too. It's going to hate you too. But be of good cheer. What did he say? For I have overcome the world. Man, isn't that such a great promise to hold on to? He has overcome, and he will carry us through. Well, (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, if you like to write in your Bibles, that's a good thing to underline because it's still not Nebuchadnezzar's God. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, if I was Nebuchadnezzar, think about him. All, All of his hope is where? It's in himself. He just built a giant statue of himself. To have people bow down. How arrogant is that? That's, that's insane. But the Lord has a way of breaking through those exteriors in our life. So blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their house shall be made into an ash heap, because there is no other god who can deliver like this. What he's saying there is, hey, this god is a great God if you're ever thrown in the fire. He's not saying this God is a great God and a wonderful God to deliver. He's speaking specifically that that He's the God over fire because that's what He just delivered them from, right? He just delivered them from fire. There's no other God that can deliver people from fire. Don't say nothing about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's not saying that God is God Most High, that He's the only God. He is on his own personal journey, right? All caught up in the concept that he is his own God. So when he says this, this is what he's talking about. Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the God of the fiery furnace. Not the God of all the universe. The God of the fiery furnace. No one can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Now that must make them feel better. What do you think? You just threw me in the fire. Now you're promoting me. <clears throat> you know, it's like when men, when we get in a fight with our wives and we say things we shouldn't say, we come back with flowers. You know, I don't know. I have to learn not to do that. I'll be practicing. Okay, so chapter 4. Now listen, here's where the journey for Nebuchadnezzar comes full circle. So you've got to kind of see it in light of the first four chapters. Nebuchadnezzar's on a journey. He's his own God. He's the main thing in his life. Blah, blah, blah. Here he comes. This is what Nebuchadnezzar posts in every town 
of the province of Babylon. Chapter 4 was written by him. His words, Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. Take a look. Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I, King Nebuchadnezzar, I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that who? That the Most High God has worked for me. Do you know that everybody has their own God story? How God reaches into your life, wherever you are, whatever you were going through. If we sat down and just all shared what God's done in our life at a variety of times, we all have different stories, but we'd see God moving in people's lives in the same way, if you know what I mean. And so God's going to do the same thing with King Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to tell us in chapter 4 how he got saved. When we get to heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar's going to be there. Even though he did all them dumb things, he still put his faith and trust in God Most High. I, King Nebuchadnezzar, need to tell you what the Most High God has done for me. Verse 3, how great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is what? An everlasting kingdom. And wasn't he just complaining and built a statue out of all gold because he didn't want his kingdom to pass? But what did he discover? The dream. Remember the dream that he had? The rock not cut with hands that destroyed all the governments or the kingdoms of this world? Who is that? It's Jesus Christ. It's his kingdom. It's his rule. His kingdom will last forever and ever. So Nebuchadnezzar's like the blinders came off and he sees. He finally can recognize what's going on. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion is from generation to generation. His dominion, his sovereignty, the fact that God is working in the world. Regardless as to the the establishment of his kingdom, his dominion from generation to generation. Oh, here's his story. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. You want to do a neat little study as we go through? See how many times he says the word I and my. He's got a way of putting himself in a lot of things. So, (coughs) I saw a dream which made me afraid. And the thoughts of my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. And the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. 1 Corinthians 2.14. Do you know what it says? It says that the natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit, for they are spiritually discerned. Now you would think by now, King Nebuchadnezzar, dealing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, wouldn't even call the other guys. Why waste your time with everybody else? But still he calls them. They can't tell him the interpretation of the dream. So guess who he's going to call? Daniel. But at last, Daniel came before me. His name, Belteshazzar. Now listen, it's important that we realize who wrote chapter 4? King Nebuchadnezzar. And what did he call Daniel? By his Hebrew name, right? Daniel. He calls him by Daniel. 
Not Belteshazzar. He tells the people, you know, the, the guy I named Belteshazzar, so they know who he is. But the king knows him as Daniel. <clears throat> According to the name of my God, he named them that. And in him is the spirit of the holy God. And I told the dream before him, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians. So where's Daniel's position now? He's the chief. He's king. He's the top dog of the of the wise men. He's ahead. <coughs> because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and no secret troubles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen in its interpretation. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. I was looking, and behold, the tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great, and the tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens, and, I could, and it could be seen to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. And I saw in the vision of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. And he cried aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree, cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and the roots in the earth and bound with a band of iron and bronze. In the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts. Weren't we just talking about a tree? Great tree, chopped down. Let him graze with the beasts of the tree on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast. And let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know what? That the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever He will and sets over it the lowest of men. It's interesting because it seems like we receive the leaders we deserve. People receive the leaders they deserve. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the Spirit of the Holy God is in you. Look at Daniel's reputation. Man, what greater thing could be said of you by someone who knows you than to say the Spirit of the living God is in him? That was takes us back to chapter 1, right? Daniel purposed in his heart. Nothing else matters as much as my submission to God. Whatever he felt was God's direction in his life, he did. And everyone knew why he did it. Daniel, why are you doing this? Because I want to honor God with my life. Everyone knew where he stood. Everyone knew what he was about. This king who didn't know God is going to come to know God pretty much on what he saw in Daniel, not what he heard Daniel say. 
Because King Nebuchadnezzar is a rockhead. He's, he don't listen to nothing. He listens to experience. Anybody here ever have to have experience before they learn? Dad, can I pass my hand through the fire without getting burnt? Sure. What do we do every time we do that? You ever notice? Well, maybe we don't. I did. When I put my hand through the fire the first time, it was like this. Oh, it didn't burn. What happened the second time? Still made it. Ah! Right? Slow down, play with it a little bit more. That's how we have to learn sometimes. Sometimes that's how we're made. Well, Daniel is going to say to him in verse 19, Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him, so the king spoke. Now Daniel doesn't want to tell him the interpretation. That's what that means. Daniel's like, oh, I don't want to tell him. I don't want to tell him. So the king says, Belteshazzar, do not let the <coughs> dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you, and its interpretation concern your enemies. Here he goes. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens, and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely, and its fruit abundant, in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the heaven had their home, it is you, O king. So we don't have to wonder, right? Don't you love how the Bible does that? Wonder what God meant about that tree? But when he says to the king, it is you, the king, it, it reminds me, you guys remember when David fell into sin with Bathsheba, tries to hide it, kills her husband, you know, goes on when life seems like it's okay. Nothing's happened, right? Bathsheba's pregnant. She's preparing to have their child. David looks like he got away with it. And someone comes to visit him. You remember? Nathan the prophet comes and says to David, David, i got a problem in the kingdom. I want you to, to think about how we should deal with this. There's this man, and he's a rich man, and he has huge flocks of sheep. And his neighbor's a poorer man. He just has one little ewe lamb. And that little ewe lamb, he loves that little ewe lamb so much that it even eats at his table with him. Sleeps in his house. Well, the rich man, he had some guests coming over for dinner and he wanted to, to give, give them some lamb. So he went to his neighbor's house, took his ewe lamb, killed it, and fed it to, to his friends. So king... What should we do? Oh, David was mad, wasn't he? David was mad. That man shall pay. He said, first he says, that man shall surely die and pay four times what he took. You remember what Nathan said? You are that man. That's what this reminds me of when Daniel says to King Nebuchadnezzar, the tree, it is you, O king. It's you. It's you. He declares to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, it's you. You're all proud. You're all puffed up. You got these big branches and what, what's birds in the Bible? Always evil. Nesting in your branches. The beasts of the earth underneath. You, you, you're just all puffed up. And God's going to cut you down. Doesn't have to be that way. We all have a choice, right? 
God gives him this warning. It is you, O king, he says in verse 22, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, come down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth, (coughs) bound with a band of iron and with bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is your interpretation, O king. This is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king. Thou shalt, they shall drive you from among men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven. And seven times will pass over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever He chooses. So King Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to be like a beast living in the field. They're going to drive you from among men. He's going to literally go crazy. And seven times will pass over you. We know what that is. Time, times, and a half time. Seven times. Hepstead, all the same. Seven years. King Nebuchadnezzar is going to go crazy until he knows that most high God reigns on high. And King Nebuchadnezzar didn't build that kingdom. God gave it to him. It was God who built it. Well, Daniel goes on. Now, inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. So for seven years, he's not going to be able to rule, but God's not going to allow the kingdom to fall apart. God's going to hold the kingdom together. Why? Because it was God that held the kingdom together in the first place. The the book of Colossians tells us what? That Jesus created all things. In him are all things. And through him all things consist. Yeah. If our lives falling apart... Probably because we're holding the pieces. We need to realize it's in Christ everything is held together. He holds this world together. He holds it all together in the palm of his hand. Jesus has all these things. Well, Daniel's going to give him some, uh, some, some advice. Therefore, O king, <coughs> let my advice be acceptable to you. Break up your sins by being righteous. And your iniquity by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the twelve, at the end of at the end of the twelve months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. Time has passed. Daniel's not there. The dream is a year ago. And the king spoke, saying. Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it has been spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. Right then. They will drive you from men, and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen, 
Seven times will pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and He gives it to whomever He chooses. Now that very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. There's an illness. It's called boanthropy. It's a mental illness where the person that gets it believes they are an ox. It's interesting because in 1946, uh, a doctor discovered someone like that and had an opportunity to go study him. And when he studied him, he discovered that he very closely followed the biblical account of what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Right down to the nails. The guy only ate the grass outside of of the mental hospital. That's all he ate. He grazed grass and his nails grew and his hair got long. And, and uh, so he had an opportunity to study. He, he had always wondered what it was like for King Nebuchadnezzar. And the Lord granted him or gave him an opportunity to, to see it in real life. Well, here we see this has happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. He's driven from among men. Now, at the end of the time... I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. It's a king's God story. Yeah, I was all filled up with pride in myself. How many times have we heard a similar story? I'm all filled up. How many athletes have we heard tell us their testimony? How prideful they were, how their career's on track, and you know they're going like this. But all of a sudden, what happens? All of a sudden, they are faced with their fiery furnace. And they have to make a decision, don't they? Who am I going to trust? Am I going to put my faith in men or will I put my faith in God? And when they put their faith in God, what happens? Well, they get somewhere where they can share with us their God story. That's what's happened with King Nebuchadnezzar. He's sharing us his God story. This is when I got saved, he's saying. My my mind returned to me. I praise the Most High God who lives forever and ever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to His will in the army of the heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain His hand or say to Him, What have you done? Can't we echo these same words with Job? When Job gets his opportunity to talk to God after all the stuff that he went through the point isn't we have to ask God why this is happening we have to somehow understand it so that we can give our assent to God and say yeah okay God it's okay that this happens now that I know God's not interested in giving us that God wants our whole heart trust no matter what we see because That is believing faith. Saving faith. It's not something else. That's that's where rubber meets the road. I trust God no matter what. You know, in case you get asked this in Bible trivia, 
the first words of Judas? Why? First word Judas spoke to God. Why? Find that interesting. Because we can get hung in that place, can't we? We can get hung in all the whys for God. And some of them we may get answers and some of them we may not. Can you be okay with it? Can you trust what God says in His Word is true? It's real. It's living. It's powerful. It's going to do the work that it's sent to do. Can you trust? Because if you can, you like Nebuchadnezzar discover that God is all-powerful, sovereign, working, moving. He has His plan. It's not my job to make His plan fit my plan. It's my job to say, I'm a tool. And I present myself to the Master for use. That's what we want to be, right? Tools in the Master's hand. Nothing ever worked as good as when it was in God's hands. I don't know about your particular life, but in my life, when I was calling the shots on everything, things didn't end up all that great. And who did I, I try to blame? Maybe you've done that. I go, I'm, I'm calling all the shots in my life. Every shot that there is to be called, I'm calling it. My life is getting sideways and upside down, and who am I blaming? God, what are you doing? God's saying, I'm waiting right here for you to decide to give me your life. Because you're running it in the ground right now. I'm right here. I'm right here. Now, when I, when I finally reach that point of brokenness and submission, and I, and I basically, I always pictured it like this. It's like I've got this basket <coughs> of a messed up life, a, a messed up marriage. My kids are messed up. Everything's messed up. God, I don't know how you can fix this, but okay, this is, this is me. This is it. This is what I have. This is my offering. Now, all those things didn't go away. Some of those circumstances changed. Some of those circumstances didn't. What changed for me was I'm trusting God in those now. I can't take that basket and say, Lord, look at my my family. Look at my son. He's autistic. Lord, if I submit myself to you, if if I get down on my knees and I purpose my heart after you, For all I'm worth, will you take it away and and let my son be normal? Who am I to tell God what to do? My son Joseph fulfills God's plan in my life. Maybe for some of you, he'll do the same. I would never understand God's relationship to me if I hadn't had Joe. Never would get it. I learned all of that in my relationship with him. When Joe sits in the corner and I'm calling his name, Joe, 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 and he don't come. And he acts like he's deaf and he can't hear me. Or he's rocking in the corner and it's like, oh, look, you know, dad doesn't exist, dad doesn't exist, you know, and he does, he's doing his thing. And God would speak to me. That's how you are to me. Because you're sitting in your little corner and you're rocking and you're thinking all this stuff, right? We're thinking all these things. But what? And God's saying, Jackie, 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 look at me, look at me, look at me. It's the same thing. It's the same thing that I learned from from Joe that I would never have learned if I hadn't had him. But who am I to tell God he messed up? 
Who am I to tell God that I, that shouldn't have to be that way? It's my job to trust Him whether I go in the fire or He keeps me out. Trust no matter what. Trust no matter how it looks or how it seems. So, in closing, he goes on. At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are true, and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride, he what? He is able to put down. Man, chapter 4 of Daniel should give us so much hope. You got three chapters of studying this king who's insane, doing all these crazy things, and and not getting it, and he doesn't understand God, and he's, he's battling against him, and blah, all this stuff. All that stuff comes to what end? Salvation. Comes to know the one true most high God. Gives himself to him, declares him. What does Romans 10, 9 tell us? Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. You're looking at King Nebuchadnezzar. What's he doing? Confessing and believing confessing with his mouth he posted that everywhere you read that didn't read like the rest of the book of daniel did it all it looked like something somebody nailed to a tree in every village of his kingdom because that's probably what he did as god moved the lesson for us today is 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 just that who are you going to trust Who are you going to trust? Because when King Nebuchadnezzar trusted in himself, it didn't get him anywhere that he wanted to be. When he learned to trust God, excellent majesty was returned. We need to learn to trust God despite what comes, what storms come, what winds blow, whether things are good, bad, indifferent. Trust Him. Because He'll be with us every step of the way. Paul would say, For I do not consider this present suffering worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, in Christ Jesus. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, Lord God, we do thank you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for an opportunity to gather together. We thank you, Father, that, Lord, you just move in a mighty way in this place, Lord. And as we just seek your face right now, as we just spend a moment in in quiet worship, Lord God, as we just uh, have an opportunity, maybe like Daniel, to just decide, Lord, where am I really? (coughs) Where is my heart given? Who am I presenting myself as a slave to obey? Who is it that I trust? Where is my faith placed? All these questions, Lord, we come to you, Father, just asking that you would be the strength we need to make us, mold us, shape us into what you need us to be. 
Father, you declare in your word that if I delight myself in you, that you will give me the desires of my heart. That you will put in my heart your desire. God, I just pray, Father, that you would do that. That you would move in this place. That you would help us to seek your face. Lord God, that you would be glorified as we just, just take a moment and worship. And we thank you that we can be here, Father. We thank you for the opportunity. We give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.